0: You are looking live at the fifth year podcast with Parker Biggs, Zach Ruley, and Clint Maxey. Ladies and gentlemen, can you believe it? These guys are the best with this podcast. Don't even think of making a wager on this upcoming season without checking in with Parker, Zach, and Clint. Take it away, guys. Welcome back to the fifth year podcast. This episode is brought to you by Part-Time Beverage. Week one is finally here and we've got a fun episode on our hands. We're thrilled to be joined by our man Stucky from Action Network. Stucky as the best of the best when it comes to betting college football. So uh, Stucky, uh, thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, I'll plug my own podcast to Big Bets on Campus, just got done recording our episode, so if you're listening to this and want to uh, add another to your rotation, check that out, but uh, happy to talk college football, it's just, it's good to be back, I mean, we have wire-to-wire action, Thursday to Monday night, doesn't get much better Mm -hmm. than
0: that. I know, I'm fired up, Stucky, before we get into the games, I do want to ask, what's uh, what's your summer like as you get ready for week one, with all the turnover in college football now, what's what does it look like when you're getting ready to, to bet uh, week one matchups?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the the first thing that I do is, and this, I'll do this in, in May. I mean, I, my time off is like April, May. When I say time off, it's like I can, I can take some trips. I'll take some days off, but I, I'm reading still. But in April or May, after a couple of weeks off after college basketball, it's really – and I'll do some of this after the year, but after college football season ends. But there, then you're right back into college basketball is going on but it's really just okay let me make sure i have my end of season ratings right and you know you're going back and just going over teams and determining okay who was actually fairly lucky why why was i off on this team because that's going to be your starting point um for then you have to adjust everything that happens in the off season so then it's going in and all right just trying to keep up with injuries transfer portal i mean it's it's crazy and there's coaching um, and then there's a lot, there's a lot of art, there's a lot of science, um, and th- that's why I think that you're going to have, with all of the movement now in the transfer portal early on in the season, you're going to be wildly off on some teams. You're going to have some teams down, but that's okay. You have to go in, and it's going to be a tough line to, to dance because you have to go into the season early on, is when you want to make your biggest adjustments, and you're going to have to in college football. All right, this team looks like they're going to be way worse than I thought, or vice versa but you also can't be too overreactive and that's kind of where the art comes in. But yeah, Kyle, during the off season in the summer, it's just a ton of reading, reading as many things as you can, because you're only going to, and it's, it just has to be a labor of love because hundred at 98% of what you read is nonsense. You're reading what coaches are saying. Everyone is, is better. Every group, even publications, every group is going to be better than last year. So it's just trying to kind of distill out, looking at rankings and and ratings of players. And um, so it's, yeah, it's like a, it's a three month process, but it's not as labor intensive as while during the season's going on.
0: Are there any teams that, you know, when you're looking at, um, looking at uh, betting this week or just looking ahead to the season that you were surprised in your power rankings, where they, where they end up?
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of teams, uh, one of the, Edges that I think that I have, or at least try to have early in the season. And this is the case with the NFL too, is I really focus on coordinator changes and coordinators that I think are over or undervalued in the market. Um, coordinators There's some coordinators who I just think are terrible. And there's some that I think are, are really strong. Um, let me pull up. I'll pull up. Let me pull up week one. My biggest discrepancy. Well, I was kind of shocked, and look, my podcast co-host is, is in love with this team. So they love that NC State got um, coming into the year. This is a team that I think is going to be really good, but, you know, you lose a left tackle to NFL. You lose your number one receiver, and you lose both of your backs. It's, it's an offensive kind of really lacks explosiveness. Now you lose your kind of your third down guy. I know the defense is going to be great. It's really deep, but – I think the jump into like, oh, this is going to be a top five team is uh, a little premature. There's always the, that one team that kind of catches fire in the public with the hype machine. I felt for it last year with Iowa State. And NC State kind of reminds me a little bit of them. It's like, all right, experienced quarterback, what a really great year. Experience across the roster. Defense should be great. Defense ends up underperforming. They don't live up to the expectations that they're not used to dealing with. Um but there's also some other teams that I think are underrated in the market and still are that I think have the chance to be some of the most improved in the nation. I think Arizona um, is one of those teams. I think that that line is too high this week, for example, but um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's some Southern Miss is another one. Um, South Florida is an intriguing one. Now you're kind of taking leaps of faith and okay, why is this team going to, make a big leap. But those are a couple teams that I played this week because I thought that they're going to be, I think they're better than what the market is implying.
0: So let's look at some of these week one games and I'll start with uh, that NC state, East Carolina game. Since you brought it up, I think I see that you're already on uh, East Carolina there. And it makes sense after what you just said, um, any insight into East Carolina. I know they won for their last five games last season, uh, kind of got off that out, over that bowl hump after a couple years of struggling. Do you think that they're a, uh, a top four or five team in the AAC.
1: Yeah, I think that's the upside. I mean, the, with Ailers at quarterback, it feels like he's been there for 50 years, but he's been yeah. – this is his fifth year, and he's kind of Jekyll and Hyde. If you get, like, good Ailers at times, and they're going to be right in this game. Houston, their coach, by the way, they he's 10-2 the and two against the spread there as a as a double-digit underdog, covering by about nine points per game if, if you're into trends, which I'm not, but I dug that up. But I, I think that East Carolina – Their defense is trending in the right direction. This is a defense over the past six or seven years that has been horrifying. Last year, you started to see some improvement. Uh, They do lose a corner is now in the Broncos and one of their better linebackers, but really experienced team. The offensive line has been a major issue there. And if you look last year, they were 115th in line yards, 105th in sack rate, which is amazing. They have one of the best backs in the country. When you watch this, even Mitchell, just a Speed, team. he averaged six and a half yards per carry. Ran for 1,100 yards with an offensive line that was really bad. And they always tends to make mistakes when teams get pressure on him, which happened a lot last year. But it's now a really experience. It's a lot more experience off its line. They had a kid playing center for the first time. They moved, changed positions, moved into center last year. He really struggled early on. Later in the year, he started playing really well. They also have a a tight end that a transfer from Oklahoma who's a. I think his name was Jones, a linebacker. They converted the tight end. Now people are talking about him potentially going to the NFL. Um, Ryan Jones. Yeah, Ryan Jones. He played first year playing tight end. He was really good that year. I think he had like 40 catches. Uh, might potentially lead them in receptions this year. But they also bring in three transfers with pedigree, a couple uh, FCS All-Americans on the offensive line, along with a West Virginia right tackle who started there for a couple of years. So I think their offensive line could be better this year. Which is huge for Aylers and the offense in general. And when you look at NC State's defense, which is rocks the arguably best linebacking group in the country, really experienced secondary. They return an all AAC nose tackle. Their nose tackle got hurt last year. Comes back. They'll kick him out to end. But the one thing they lack is getting at They don't really generate elite pressure. I mean, last year they were top five stuff rate. Top five against most run statistics. They don't give up a lot of explosive plays, but they don't really get pressure, really average to below average and sack rate. And that's really how you throw off this East Carolina offense. So I think Aylers will have some time to work, whether you get good Aylers or not. Uh, I don't know. I can't tell you that, but it's the intangibles also work in East favor. It's like this is a tough place to play. It'll be, you know, rowdy-dowdy. It'll be these. Two teams hate each other. These fans hate each other. This is ECU Super Bowl. While NC State comes in like needing to win this game, like this is all the expectations, all the pressure is on them. And uh, so I could see them coming out tight. And the last two times they played in Greenville, 2010, 2016, ECU won both as an underdog, one against Russell Wilson. They jumped out to a combined 30 to nothing lead after the first quarter. In both games. So um, I think EC will get off to a fast start and then probably end up losing, um, but I think it'll stay close throughout. I think a lot of the intangibles work in their favor.
2: Yeah, and I guess jumping into one flashback or not a flashback, but tomorrow night, Thursday night, backyard brawl. First time since 2011, I think. Yep. Does either team? I mean, JT Daniels, Keaton Slovis, both right USC. Are either of those quarterbacks really that good? And and who do you think? I guess is the better of the two. And then what's your play for that game if you do have one?
1: Yeah, I I'm not a I'm not really sold on either, and not sold on either offense this year. And by the way, that was yeah the first the first this is the first backer ball since 2011. It was the first college football game ever broadcast on a radio back in like 1921. Fun um, fact. And Bobby Bowden, who coached West Virginia, they were up thirty-five to eight. This is way back in the day. They were thirty-five to eight at the half, and over Pitt. And then Pitt came out in the second half and just ran power eye and scored five, touch, five touchdowns and five drives. Came back to win. And West Virginia fans went back into the tunnel and were banging on Bowden's door and trying to get in. <laughs> and he said it was the darkest moment of his coaching career. That's fine. And now you have Slovis coming out saying "fuck West Virginia." So yeah, I'm glad that this is back. I've I've been to Morgantown and Pitt for this game way back in the day. Fans Uh,
2: packed the stadium for this one, or is it like they did? They
1: used to. Um, I think Pitt was good last year. Yeah, I think they'll get because and they're both both schools are close. Um, Yeah, I think I think the stadium will will be will be packed. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think I'm low on Pitt this year because of the coordinator. You lose Pickett, obviously not a huge Slovis guy. You lose Addison. And I, it ended up working last year. Credit to Narduzzi for letting it happen. But Narduzzi always just wants to, like, win 20-17 to 17 and run the ball 50 times. And Whipple and him were never philosophically aligned. So I was surprised that it worked so well last year. But I wasn't surprised that he left for Nebraska. Now he brings in uh, an offensive coordinator who's, Insignetti, who's perfectly aligned with him. They, he wants to play slow. He just wants to run the ball a ton. And that's what I think they're going to do. I think they're going to lean on the run game. I think that they're going to lean on their defense. Their defense is always good. Their defensive front is great this year. The way that you beat Pitt's defense is you take shots. They play tight press man on the outside, quarters coverage. I don't think that West West Virginia has the weapons on the outside in the new Graham Howard offense to kind of take advantage. So, yeah, I think Pitt's defense controls this game. They play a lot slower. I think ultimately Pitt's going to be in a lot of games against inferior opponents this year because of how they play. Uh, so I think West Virginia can hang around. I, I like the I, under, I think you can get 52 now. I, I like the under. I think Pitt's going to be a really strong under team this year uh, until the market catches up if they play how I think they're going to play.
0: Another uh, Thursday night game I want to bring up, since we are an Oklahoma-based podcast, is uh Pokes are hosting Central Michigan. Um, OSU looks like, I think, 22-point favorite uh, over under 58-and-a-half. Uh, any uh, inside or any plays you're going to have here?
1: I probably wanted to play in this. Num- from, from a numbers perspective, I lean Central Michigan a little bit. Um, not, I think Oklahoma State's going to take a big step back on defense, especially. I mean, Malcolm Rodriguez is irreplaceable. It was a ton of talent in the back end. And then, obviously, Jim Knowles' departure uh, is massive. And But I am a bit worried this game about – the Central Michigan offensive line. I mean, it's not, it's rare for a Mac team to lose two tackles to the NFL that gets selected in the first four rounds of the draft. And the strength of the Oklahoma State defense is still their defensive line, which should be really good. So, you know, while you do have the nation's leading returner coming back in the backfield and Lou Nichols, you got Richardson, who is extremely underrated quarterback for Central Michigan. I'm afraid that the Oklahoma State defensive line will really control this game and Gundy's been good as a favorite um as a bigger favorite against the spread throughout his career so yeah my numbers say central Michigan a little bit here but I am really where and especially when you have when a lot of times when you have a MAC team even if your numbers like them when they're going to play a power five team on the road to open up the season the difference in the trenches really is what Ends up, you can. It's just you, you're the first drive, you're like, Oh my god, why did I bet this team just from a size perspective? Um, so that's what I would be worried about with central Michigan and their offensive line. So I'll probably stay away. Um, curious to see what the Oklahoma State defense looks like. So maybe I'll have something live, but numbers say small play on central Michigan, but I'll probably stay away. Did that offensive line,
2: yeah? Real quick, you, I'm an Oklahoma State guy, you faded my Cowboys. A lot last year it seemed like and you were talking about luck earlier they were one of the luckier teams in america last season yeah it, and typically it flips one year or it feels like it does if you got every bounce last season are you going to get those same ones again this year probably not
1: yeah i mean yeah they they were i mean this is and the defense is really good and i, I yeah th- yeah i never caught up to to the defense so that's why i was until by the year i think the end of the year i had them as the second or third best defense in the country um which i didn't even wouldn't dreamed of early in the year like the second i thought they were gonna be a good defense but not like just behind georgia uh by the end of the year even with some of the injuries they had they just didn't seem to matter that defense was so good last year but yeah i mean they in close games you know they had a couple unlucky losses maybe one or two but they had about five or six that you could qualify as lucky they were pretty good in in close games and one possession games and they were plus 11 turnover margin with a quarterback who was like 40 turnovers and 30 career starts um so you know you get the inadvertent whistle against Boise State which I'm still fucking pissed about that game. <laughs> I don't know what you're um, talking
2: about that was the right uh <laughs>
1: and uh yeah so they were and then the, and then the field goal then Boise misses the field goal I was I was I was already tilted about that game like I was whenever I was reading about Oklahoma State's last year. Then I was looking in the Boise previewing Boise State, and it's like their kicker didn't miss a kick. Like after that, for the rest of the season, I was like, of course he didn't. (laughs) That Um, whistle,
2: that whistle came back though. The the bad fourth down spot against Iowa State on like fourth and
1: two or whatever. So it it
2: came around a little bit. (laughs)
1: Um, yeah, but we'll we'll. uh, I mean, yeah, there's we'll see the offensive line for Oklahoma State too. Like depth is a concern there. Um. I mean, you lose your top receiver, your top back, the defense, you lose your coordinator. There's a lot of change. I mean, you do have an experienced quarterback. You just got to hope that you don't have too many of, like, the head-scratching Spencer Sanders games. Don't um, be there. But, yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Gunny's been good as a favorite, though, historically, and their defensive line just might be too much for Central Michigan here. All
0: right, let's keep this uh, in the Big 12. TCU at Colorado, it seems – TCU is picking up some steam here. Uh, it's up to Horn Frogs minus thirteen, over under fifty five. Um, are you with the? I mean, is there an opportunity to to hop in on Colorado here, or um, is TCU the play?
1: I can't play. I don't think I can play Colorado all year. I mean, I don't like anything about what Colorado's doing. I mean, they, first of all, they got crushed in the transfer portal, um, and they're they lost their two starting – one of the strengths of their team with their two starting corners who are coming back, who were really good last year's and young. And they transferred in conference um, and are, are now starting at uh, USC and Oregon. That's a bad – just bad sign. But they got crushed in the transfer portal. I don't like their quarterback situation. Don't like the offensive coordinator they brought in. Um, this is – the overall roster is void of talent. And because they lost their – Especially in the secondary, because they lost their starting two corners, the transfer portal semi late, their their secondary is just filled with inexperienced freshmen all over the place. If you have any semblance of a passing attack, you're going to rip apart the secondary. And um, TCU has extremely underrated.
0: loaded in receiver? Group. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, unbel- They they should have a field day. There's also like a a you know, with TCU's quarterbacks, they're really deep at quarterback, and if this game gets out of hand, they, they're, their secretaries can come in and keep this up, and I don't think there's going to be an opportunity for a backdoor. I mean, I made this like 14 and a half. It was, I think we open at 7, I, so I probably can't play it now. Maybe if Colorado gets a fluke score early, I'll play TCU live, um, or if somehow Colorado comes out, they have all kinds of new wrinkles, TCU turns it over, there is an Colorado is up like two touchdowns in the first half TCU would be a hammer because there's, they would, there's no reason that they can't just sit back and pick apart the secondary in passing situations and come back. So I probably won't have a play. I'll be rooting for that. Some people are like, you know, everyone's itching for action this time of the year. Sometimes there's just not, you know, if you actually make a number for games, sometimes there's just not a number and you can do this if you don't make, there's not value and you can do this if you don't make a number and you want action. Like do what I just I just said. Then you're you kind of have action on the game without having action on the game. You have a live number that you want you um you know you want this scenario to play out, and especially if you deal with you know the people out there that just bet everything and it, and, and they have no edge and they're just juice They're just giving away so much juice. But um, because I know that game I think is on Friday night. But also love the I love that what TCU did in the off season. Um, I think bringing in. One of the most underrated defensive coordinators in the country, and Joe Gillespie. I think he'll have, they they needed a kind of a fresh, fresh take on that defense, too. And Gillespie's extremely underrated. I think Tulsa will really miss him. Um, So I really love what TCU is doing overall. And uh, I, there's nothing, I have nothing positive to say about Colorado do you prefer they got, they, they, it's, it's in, uh, it's in altitude. That's, that's yeah. about it.
2: <laughs> do you prefer one quarterback to another for GCU or, cause I think they're
0: rolling both of them out there, aren't they? i and get in Morris. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I would, I tend to like Morris for, um, this offense, but, um, and both have different redeeming qualities, but I, I, maybe you use, but I, don't, I really don't like when teams use two quarterbacks in college, um, I just think that you don't build, you know, you don't get a rhythm with your receivers. You don't get a rhythm in the game. So I know that Duggan could bring some different elements, but I think that their offense will be better off with their receivers that they have this year, um, if Morris wins the job, but it's good to have that depth. And then like, especially if you're, if you're betting a team as a favorite um, and you have strong quarterback depth and you're up like 17 to 21 late, and you have the ball and your quarterback can put together a drive instead of you just punt right away and the other team has the ball, then you're sweating a back door. So that could matter too. But, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to watch both, but I think ultimately TC has a higher ceiling with Morris.
0: All right, into some of the uh, real big games, Oregon, Georgia, Atlanta. Uh, Dogs are a 17-point favorite. Seems pretty big to me for a team that's uh, losing so many uh, pieces, especially on the defense side of the ball. Um thoughts on this one
1: yeah i played oregon it feels like a like a trendy dog um sort of we'll see most most recreational betters are going to bet these things closer to game day but i make this like th- this line like 12.9 13 um and i mean georgia plus 15 guys in the nfl there has to be some i'm projecting some kind of growing pains i know they just reload with talent but i i Oregon has, there's a couple of things I like about Oregon here. They have one of the few offensive lines in the country. Georgia's defense line is still going to be one of the best in the country. And Oregon has one of the best offensive lines in the country that it's a, it's not like your normal pack 12 school. They can go and they, this team can compete in the trenches with Georgia on both sides of the ball. Even after losing Thibodeau, their defensive line is really deep. Uh, and then Sewell and Flo at linebacker and in, in the four, their 425, arguably one of the best linebacker groups both will play in the NFL which is huge against Georgia who's their tight end group is incredible. Um, it, it, it's insane. And then I like what they Oregon lost a lot in the second, but I like what they did. They brought this kid. I really like from Colorado when they got a five-star on the other side and their safeties have enough experience. And um, I think Dan Lanning, who comes over from Georgia's you're going to only, their defense is only going to improve under his tutelage. So you got Bo Nix. You're going to get good Bo Nix or bad Bo Nix. You'll probably get a little bit of both, but you know, he won't be scared of this, uh, of the environment. He's played in a lot of big SEC games. And just, I know this is narrative-based, but, like, Lanning, he was th- he was there, and he knows this offense so well. He was the defense in practice every day. He also knows the Georgia defense really well. And just from a personal stays he's human. He, I'm sure he wants to beat – plus, if they win this game, they're in the driver's seat to go to college football. Club. I'm sure he's spent – every waking hour of this of the past three months coming up with every possible wrinkle to throw the kitchen sink here. Um, and then on the other side, if they're down 21 late, I'm sure Kirby won't want to rub it in and you'll have a backdoor shot. So um, yeah, I think that there's, you know, Bo Nix could just toss this game away early, but um, he could make some plays to give them a chance to win it. I think there's value in the number. And I think that there's some intangibles to like about Oregon here in the trenches, um, the landing effect. And uh, they're linebackers. And I, I think Georgia's ha- – ha- I just assume that they're going to have some drop-off, so I've downgraded their defense, um, even though they have five stars. You just, it's like, it, it feels like one of those Bama teams that just won the national title. They lose 12, 13 guys from, to the NFL, and they're still really good, but they're just you know a notch below. And that's, that's where I think Georgia is this year.
2: It feels like Bo Nix and Spencer Sanders are cut kind of from the, the same cloth.
1: Yes. Let, they like to,
2: they like to shoot themselves in the foot quite a bit. Yes. Um, keep it in the sec Cincinnati at Arkansas, Arkansas, six and a half totals 52. Any thoughts on this one? These are two pretty interesting teams, honestly, coming off the years they had last year.
1: Yeah. It's it's um, what does Arkansas's offense look like without trail Burks? And, you know, he was, I would argue him and like Wandell Robinson saying things like they, they were both responsible for like 40 to 45% of their team's explosive plays. And it's not only that, not only could they make so many explosive plays in the passing game, it's the respect that they garnered from opposing defenses that allowed each of their offenses, Kentucky and Arkansas to run the ball a lot more effectively because um, you have a deep threat that you have to worry about and it kind of opens up your running in. So they don't have that now Now they have some, they, they have some talent. They brought in Hasselwood, who has been banged up, and they brought in a kid, um, Landers. They have a couple kids on the outside they brought back. With, they're, just none of them are a on Burks. Um, same thing with Kentucky. they got a couple of just really promising freshmen. Um, you bring in Robinson and Schratzer from Tech, Some talent, but they're not Wanda Robinson. So I'm curious to see what the Arkansas offense looks like. Good offensive line. Um, Jefferson back at quarterback, but I think the offense will take a step back. And then, but why these teams are so interesting with Cincinnati, it's okay. You, know, you lose Desmond Ritter, but you bring back your entire offensive line. But the question is, what does their defense do this year after losing? An AAC team doesn't lose six starters to the NFL, it like, never happens. And you lose arguably the best second, two best corners, best corner tandem in off college football last year, go to the NFL in addition to a safety. How much of a drop off is there? Um, I think both defenses are going to look different scheme-wise this year. Like Cincinnati is going to play extremely different scheme-wise. You'll see more four-man front because their run defense wasn't great last year, which would be the concern against Arkansas. But all through camp, they've been playing with four-man front. And even though they lost a lot of defensive line, linebacker too, they're, bulk, they're bulkier there. They still have a lot of talent. So I think their run defense, which burnt them against Alabama, burnt them against Tulsa last year, will be better, which will serve them well in this matchup. Um, so – Yeah, I I kind of like the under here. Both teams are – it's hard to project what the drop-off in the Cincinnati defense. Um, But I think that they'll mostly be okay going against an Arkansas team that doesn't have Burks now and is going to rely on its run game. So I think this will be lower scoring. I don't love it. Um, But at 52, I'll probably end up on that. Under, if it was at seven, I probably would take Cincy. Um, But – now that it's been hit under, probably a pass on the side for me.
0: Yeah, I wish I'd popped on that one. Where I saw Colin, I think got like a seven and a half on it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, a couple more here before we wrap up. Uh, keep it in the SEC. Utah at Florida, Florida home dog in the swamp. Um, is this uh like is Utah? I know it's their most hyped team ever, but it seems like an opportunity for a, an upset for a Florida.
1: Yeah, I think the. This is probably closer to a coin flip. Utah is probably getting too much love. Um, and it's just, ne- it's never easy for these teams from Utah to go to Florida for the first game of the year in humidity, rain. The, there's, those two things just don't exist in Utah. They, there's no humidity in Utah. Um, there's no rain. I mean, BYU is oh, and for their entire program going to the state of Florida until they beat, UCF like five years ago and on like December 28th, when it was like 70 degrees, they finally won in the state of Florida. Um, I think BYU might get upset this week against South Florida who beat BYU in the state of Florida three years ago. And Jaren Hall's first start first career start um, South Florida came back and beat BYU as an underdog. Um, but yeah, I think that this game probably this will be like one of the, like your pros versus Joe's game. Like everyone will be on Utah. Um, but I think Florida will find a way to win this game and this line will probably come down. I think it went up to like three, three and a half. I bet it'll probably keep coming down before a kick. Um, I think Anthony Richardson fits well in Billy Napier's system. What he wants to do, like if you look at how he used Levi Lewis for all those years, you know, his accuracy is still a question, Um, but this Utah offensive line has questions and the Florida defensive line is really talented and that in the swamp, I think that's ultimately going to be the difference. Should be a really close game. with lean under there, um, but not enough to play it. Um, I think Florida ends up pulling out the win. Close one.
2: Yeah, and last big game, I guess. Let's kind of got to talk Notre Dame at Ohio State. Marcus Freeman, of course, says he doesn't read the papers. He doesn't know the line, or he wasn't informed of it until yesterday. 17 points for Ohio State, totals 59. Do you think that's a a lot to give a Notre Dame team, or do you think that's an appropriate number?
1: Yeah, no, I make it 17.1. So there's nothing here for me. But I would if I was backing Ohio State now at 17, I would be scared that if Ohio State was up 24 late, Freeman brought up the spread. So you know he's aware now. He wants to cover. (laughs) So if Notre Dame has the ball down 24 with two minutes to go the Notre Dame starters are running in there uh, and he's trying to take care of the boosters and make his point that 17 and a half points was too many. We're going <laughs> to lose by 17 here. <laughs> but yeah, I think that this year, legitimately it's, it's one of those years where it's Ohio state and Alabama are one, two, Alabama I'm much more confident, but I have them virtually equal. It's if Ohio state, if Jim Knowles comes in and fixes that defense, a talent, has always been there. They just have had absolute clowns coaching. I mean, I, I can't believe what some of the guys like Terry Coombs is your coordinator. This guy's now like a, this, I think he's like the special teams coach in, at Cincy. Yeah. Um, so like he was your defensive coordinator and a joke. So now you bring in one of the best defensive coordinators in college football and all they really needed is just like basic or, Like a lot of their problems, like basic organization um, and knowing where to go. So like Doles can fix that, but is it might take a couple games, so maybe Notre Dame, but Notre Dame doesn't really scare you at quarterback or wide receiver this year. They, they had a couple injuries at wide receiver. Um, and I just don't know how you slow down this Ohio state juggernaut offense. Um, but I think at the end of the year, if Georgia does take a step back, as I think they may, or even if they don't, so they say that they don't, um, that there could be Ohio state Alabama four, if Georgia does take a step back, 14 points in power ratings on the next team. Um, Because there's no – like, usually you would have a, you know, a Clemson used to be up there. Um, You used to have, you know, Oklahoma has been up there. And there's just – there's questions with a lot of the other second-tier teams this year, Georgia with everything that they lost to the NFL – and Ohio State and Alabama are really good and also have returning Heisman caliber quarterbacks, which is really important. And then where I think Ohio State can actually get up to that level is the Knowles addition. Does he fix that defense? Now, If he doesn't, then, which I, I can't see happening, but it, it's uh, there's a non-zero chance. If the defense still is a weakness, especially against the more elite teams, that's when you really saw it against with Ohio State. Their talent would carry them against inferior opponents, but you would see... When they would play teams that were even in the same neighborhood as them, you would see the just the how lost their defense was, especially on the back end. So if their defense isn't there, then they're going to be back with the pack, and then it's just Alabama ahead. But I think that that's the biggest difference with Ohio State this year. And you also had Jim Knowles who game planned for Notre Dame at Oklahoma State. I know he wasn't on the sidelines. There was rumors that he made the adjustments at halftime, and then Oklahoma State shut him down in the second half. I don't know if that's true or not, but he was preparing for them can't hurt um familiar with Notre Dame's offense and uh yeah it's just this Notre Dame offense I just don't think can keep up with uh state so but I think the number is ultimately right and I'll be rooting for Notre Dame to be down 24 with the ball late for drama just to see
0: it I'm I'm with you on that one let's wrap up just with this favorite play of the weekend that we haven't uh, touched and maybe a future that you've got locked in that you're really
1: excited about uh, I'm going to say, well, the most exciting future is Eastern Michigan to win the Mac. I'm most, uh, my favorite future every year is the by Mac long shot. Two years ago, I hit, um, ball state last year, Kent state lost in the championship. I'm still pissed. I didn't hedge 15, 14 to one. Um, this year I think Eastern Michigan has a real shot if the quarterback. The, the whole conference is wide open and they keep, there's more and more key injuries and I think a lot of the top teams are going to take a big step back. But, like, even Toledo was the favor. They, they lost their two best offensive linemen for the year. Um, it, it just massive losses. And Northern Illinois loses their best receiver for the year and can't. Like, so that's my favorite. Like, I think there's value with Eastern Michigan. They've been close. They're well coached. Um, and it's so fun because it's going to come down to, like, a couple – With when you have a long shot, a couple random plays at the end of games on, like, a Tuesday night. Um, so they're worth a flyer. I got the. I found the fifth eighteen to one. I think there's fifteen to one still out there, worth a shot. Um, this week, what did I not mention? Um, Arizona, South Florida. I played some Troy. If you can get over three touchdowns, I think their defense can keep them in it. Ole Miss. I think their offense is going to have some growing pains early on. Just they're completely transfer reliant team, so hard to. Project somewhat, but I think Troy's defense, which is one of the best the group of five level, um, could keep them within three touchdowns there. Southern Miss. Um, mentioned them and Arizona. I don't know. Those are some of my plays this weekend.
0: Love it. Well, we won't keep you any longer. This was great. Um, this is exactly what we were looking for. Our listeners will love this. Um, if you want more of this type of content, like Stucky said, uh, check out their Action Network podcast. It's uh, Big Bets on Campus, right? Pretty good stuff, too.
1: Yeah, Action Network podcast for NFL. I do NFL um, each week with Chris Webb, and that'll start next week. And then Big Bets on Campus for uh, college football.
0: Yeah, and then make sure you follow them on Twitter, at Stucky, too. Uh, real good stuff on there. Stucky, thank you so much. This was awesome.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, guys.